Thank you for joining us at Creative Church. We pray that this word blesses your heart and blesses your life. And if it has, I wanna encourage you to feed what's feeding you and give to what's giving to you. The easiest way to do this is to visit creativechurch.com give. Thank you for your faithfulness and your generosity. Be sure to like this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you click on notifications so you never miss an encouraging word from Creative Church. So Exodus chapter 21, verse 5. It says, but if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him to the judges. He shall also bring him to the door, the doorpost, and the master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. Shall serve him forever. He says if he, if he loves the Lord, if he loves his Lord, he loves his wife. Come on, how many of you love your spouse? You love your husband, you love your wife. Come on. It's not a trick question. This is a good place to say amen. How many of you love your husband, you love your wife, right? How many of you love those kids? We got some work to do. This is the right sermon. I mean, I don't know what's wrong with Minnesota. Like the lights are on, I can see. How many of you love your spouse? Just look at me. I'm going to put a big mirror up here one day so y'all can see y'all's face. Y'all's resting face is terrible. You got to do something about that. How many of you love your spouse? Come on, I'm, I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying to help you out. And so this is what he says. He says, if you love them, you know, you love your wife, you love your children, you love the Lord, you say, I'm not going to go. I'm going to stay committed. And so, Father, bless this word, anoint it. And uh, let it change hearts and lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give him praise one more time. You can be seated. Let's go to work. Um, you know, I'm thrilled. Y'all are some real Christians. Y'all came out on the first snow. So come on. Y'all, are, y'all must love Jesus. Amen. And um, uh, I love what this verse says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. Very, very famous verse. It's, Uh, Jesus says to one of the churches, he says, I place before you an an open door that no man can shut. Have you ever heard that verse? I place before you an open door that no man can shut. Now, typically when we hear that verse, we we think about in regards to God opening a door for you. And and, um, we would preach on that growing up. We'd have the Oregon and, you know, God's going to open a door for you and God's going to make a way for you. And people would be shouting and running and throwing stuff. And, and, and it's exciting. How many, people, how many people right now need God to open a door in some kind of way, right? So we, we, we tend to think about that through like a, a real positive lens, an exciting lens, a newness, a, a freshness of God opening a door. And, and it is true that we believe that God opens doors for people and God can make a way for you and God can deliver you and set you free and all of that. But when, but when Jesus is speaking this, he's speaking it uh, to church people. He's speaking it to people who are saved, people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, people who are in the household of faith, people who are uh, in church and they love the Lord and, and they're consecrated and they're, they're a part of it and they've been joined to the body of Christ. And then Jesus makes this profound statement to them. He says, I set before you, um, not just a door, but, but I set before you uh, an open door. I set before you an open door uh, that no man can close. And the, the purpose of this door is what God is saying is 
um, not just about you coming into the kingdom, but he says you have the right to come, but I also give you the right to leave. I also give you the right to walk away if you want to walk away. I'm never going to make you love me. I'm never going to make you choose me. I'm never going to make you uh, feel like I got to you know, do this or, or I'm going to get you or, or I'm not going to be for you. I'm not going to love you. You see, I'm here today because I love Jesus. I'm here today not because uh, there's some rule or some regulation. I'm, I didn't join a cult. I joined a church. And Jesus is building one thing. It is the church. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He is building the church. And it's not a bunch of rules and regulations, a bunch of do's and don'ts, these and thou's. And it's like what Jesus told one man. He said, you know, what do, what do I need to do to fulfill all the, all the law? I've done everything. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love him. Everybody say love. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And out of that, you end up loving your neighbor or loving people. You know, we live in a world that just says love people. Love people. Love people. Hey, let's love people. We need to love people. We need to love people. What about loving God? What about loving God? Oh, we don't want to talk about loving God. We need to love people. Hey, let's just be loving. Let's love people. You need to love people. What about loving God? No, we don't want to talk about that. The world doesn't want to talk about loving God. The world just wants to talk about loving people. But see, it's possible to love people and not love God. But it is impossible to love God and not love people. He said there's an order to it. He didn't say love people. He said the very first commandment is to love the Lord your God. The most important is to love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love him with all your mind. Love him with all your soul. And out of that, if you love God, you'll end up loving people. And he didn't even tell you to love people like you love God. He said love people like you love you. Love people like you love yourself. And we live in a generation that has hijacked love and made love a God. You can love a lot of things that are not godly. I could fall in love with another woman. Doesn't mean that, that, that that's godly. Just because you love it doesn't mean it's godly. Come on. You can love lots of things that aren't good for you. I love little Debbie's. Doesn't mean they're good for you. Come on. So you can love a lot of things. That don't mean that that's right. Doesn't mean that that's righteous. Doesn't mean that that's good. You're not a victim to your attractions. And you have to surrender your attractions to the word of God. Because God said, I am to stay married with Pastor Joanne. That's what God's word says. That's what God's best says, that I am to marry someone of the opposite sex. And I'm supposed to stay married to my wife. And she's not to be one of three wives, one of five wives, one of seven wives, that I'm to stay married to her. And that's what he says. If you love God, you're going to love your wife. You're going to love your husband. You're going to love your children. I mean, I got to stay married, Pastor Joanne. I couldn't afford to leave her, even if I wanted to, with eight kids. My God, I couldn't afford to. If she ever left me and married someone, I'd have to move in with her and that new guy because I couldn't afford to live on my own. I'm trapped. I got to. <laughs> Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Serving God is a choice. It's not a cult. 
Serving God is a choice. You can leave anytime you want to leave. You can walk away anytime you want to walk away. You can delete it, you know, and say, I'm not, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be in God's house. I don't want to be a part of it. And, and, I, and I, want, I want to be clear, you know, Pastor Joanne and I are here and I'm preaching today and I'm serving today and volunteering today uh, because I love Jesus. That's why I'm here. That's why we're here. That's why we're in Minnesota. I realize that there's lost people in warm states. There's lost people in warm states. I saw them. I saw them. They're there. But what you know what keeps us in Minnesota is God's called us here. We don't have any family here. You know why we're here? God's called us here. Do you know why I'm preaching here today? Because I love the Lord. You know why I'm pastoring? Because I love the Lord. You know why I meet with people? Because I love the Lord. It's not, it's not out of obligation. It's out of love. Somebody say amen about it. I love what he did for me on the cross. I love my wife. I don't stay married to Pastor Joanne because there's some obligation. I love Pastor Joanne. I love my children. I love this church. I love this congregation. I love our diversity. I love everything about our church. I love to worship. People say, oh, you got to worship. I love to worship. I love seeing people baptized. I love seeing people free. I love seeing people get saved. I love seeing people who are new believers class and kids and teens. It's not an obligation to me. I love to give. I love to tithe. I love to I love to serve in the, in the house of God. I've been serving God's house all my life. And I'm not going to get older and do less. I'm not going to let my latter be less than my former. The Bible says your latter days shall be greater than your former days. I watch some people, and they serve God, and then they go, well, you know, I've been serving for five years and ten years, and I just really don't want to do it anymore, and I just, I'm just really tired, and I'm kind of frustrated. And they talk to young people, oh, I used to volunteer too, and I used to serve, and I used to give. Well, what a sorry testimony that is. Is that the story that you're giving young people, that you serve for ten years and quit, and you, you serve for five years and give up, and you, and you, or you get offended? and walk away. We should be going, man, I've been serving God for 10 years and I plan on serving him for another 50 and I'm doing more now than I've ever done. As your testimony, well, I used to really, I used to really be involved and, and I, I remember I used to really serve and we used to teach Sunday school and we used to be on a worship team and we used to write curriculum and we, and we don't, bless God, we don't do nothing now. Well, what a sorry testimony that is. Why don't you do more for God as you get older? Why don't you do more for the Lord as you mature? Why don't you do more for your latter days shall be greater than your former days. I don't, I'm not going to grow up and be some old bitter. See, I'm young. I'm not going to grow up and be some old bitter minister. I want to be doing more at 50. Come on. I'm still discovering stuff about myself. You know, God only knows I might lose 100 pounds. And I'll be, God only knows what will be happening. I'll be running and stuff. Joy and be chasing me all over. You know, you don't know what could happen. I'm not labeling myself because when you label yourself, you limit yourself. You don't know what's inside of you. You don't know what you could do. God's not through with you. Come on. God's not through with you. You don't know what ideas are in you and companies are in you and businesses are in you. As if that's all you're going to be so the iPhone gets 13 upgrades and you don't get but one. Every year they got a new phone and it's the same you. Upskill, change, grow, mature, try something different. Your taste buds change every so many years, and you can't change. Come on, let's upskill. Come on, somebody say, I'm gonna upskill, I'm gonna upgrade. 
I'm going to upgrade. you got to believe in you. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But Christ can't strengthen an eye that can't do. you got to believe in you, baby. you got to believe in you, boo. you got to believe in something down in you. you but you got to believe in you so much you convince other people they're seeing it wrong. You're seeing it wrong. You're looking at me. You see all this? You must be out your mind. i got it going on. I got it going. I'm hot. You don't know what you're looking at. You got to convince people they're seeing it wrong because you believe in you. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Quit saying I can't. You American or American? No patriotic plug there. I'm thankful for what he did on the cross. You know, I come to church. When I come to church, it makes me a better father. It does. makes me a better husband when I come to church. Pastor Duran's amazing when she comes to church. When she starts praying and reading the Word, she gets, all of us, we're all better. Come on. When you serve God, when you're in God's house, when you're serving God, you're putting him first. He blesses your life. You're not as good a dad when you're not in God's house. You're not a great father when you're not in God's house. You're not a great mother when you're not serving God and putting him for It changes you. It, it refreshes your heart. It, it makes you more gentle and kind and, and patient. The fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruits of the Spirit where you got some and not the other. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And those are the definitions of the fruit. It's like an apple is juicy and crunchy and sweet, but it's, it's all an apple. The fruits of the Spirit is love and pay. Come on, you got to have patience, kindness. Come on, long-suffering. you got to have all this is in the fruit. And if you don't have that, you're not spending time with Jesus. you got to have a prayer life. Prayer. Everybody say prayer. If you don't have a prayer life, it's because God is not real to you. I'm being honest with you. If you don't have a prayer life, God is not real to you. That's why you don't pray. Because you don't think God hears your prayers. You don't pray because you don't think it works. Like the same reason you don't go to the gym. Like I go to the gym for two weeks straight and be like, I didn't lose a thing. They don't know what they're doing over there. You know what I mean? Or the coach tell me like, yeah, you may gain weight. What you talking about gain weight? I'm paying you and I'm going to put on weight? Well, muscle weighs more than fat. Well, I don't hear that. I want to lose weight. Find a way. That's your job. Find a way to make me lose weight. They got me sitting on balls and leaning on things and doing all kinds of stuff. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you could go for two weeks and still, like, nothing changed. So then you think it don't work. But it is working. You see, anytime you're, God's got you on something and it feels like what you're doing is not changing, it's because God's not trying to get you to change it. He's using it to change you. It's like you get on a treadmill and you run. It's the most discouraging thing in the world because you just ran and you didn't know further than you was when you started. And, and, but you're not trying to change the treadmill. The treadmill is trying to change you. So if you're on something, it feels like I keep doing this and doing this and doing this and it ain't working. It's because God's using it to change you. Am I helping anybody? You got to believe in prayer and you will never pray if, if you don't have if you don't make prayer a priority, prayer has to be a priority. It has to be a priority. It, 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 and you have to have a place of prayer. 
You gotta have a you gotta have a place of prayer. Like when you sit in that chair, look, mama, that's mama's prayer chair. Like when she's in that chair, the kids know. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your prayer closet and shut the door behind you. Prayer closet is mentioned four times in the New Testament. Shut the, the door behind you and don't take the phone in there. Don't take the laptop in there. And you got to go in and pray. Most of us don't pray because we don't think God hears our prayers. But you have to realize when you pray, God hears your prayers and God doesn't update you. He doesn't come back and update you to let you know what he's doing. You just have to trust that he's doing it. God ain't got time to be coming back and updating you on every little thing and every little thing he's doing. You know, well, Lord, I need you to do this. Okay, let me run back. Okay, I just got done talking to your boss, and they're going to, when you go in on Tuesday, they're going to do what you want. I'm going to go take care of the other thing and come back. I just got done meeting with the, the people about Friday, and they're going to they're work. God doesn't do that. You just have to trust that he heard your prayer and that he's working things out on your behalf. Come on. And, and you, don't have, you have to have a, a time of prayer. You got to have a time that you pray. I can't get one amen on that. You got to have a time that you pray. I'm going to teach on prayer in a couple weeks because we need it. You got to have a time that you pray. If you don't have a time that you pray, you won't pray. Do you know that most of the miracles that happened in the New Testament church happened at 9 and 9 in the morning and 3 in the afternoon? Do you know why it happened in 93? Because those were the times of prayer. Do you know that if you start setting a time for prayer, God will start doing miracles at that time? Oh, God, I can't get anybody to believe it. The Bible says Peter and John went to the, went to the temple at the hour of prayer and healed the lame man. Why did he get healed? Because they went to pray at the hour of prayer. God met them at, at the prayer. Do you know that the day of Pentecost, the, it, it happened at 9 a.m.? 9 a.m. Why? Because they had gathered for prayer. It was the third hour of the day. Remember, the third hour, they said, uh, these guys are drunk. He said, it's not even time for them to be drunk. It's the third hour of the day. But this is that which the prophet Joel said. It was 9 o'clock. Why did it? Why? Because that was their time for prayer. Over and over and over throughout the Bible, you can see God showing up at 9 a.m. and 3. I'm not telling you to pray at 9 and 3. I'm telling you to pray at a time, a time that you meet God. You got, like you, everything in your life runs on time. Church starts at this time. You get lunch starts at this time. You know, you got to be at the dentist at this time. This, you got to, this time you got to be at work. You got to get off at this time. Every, you, got, you got everything you got time for except prayer. You've got to have a time of prayer. And if you don't have a time for prayer, you're not going to pray. Prayer was the secret weapon to, am I boring you? I don't want to bore you. I'm hungry. So as soon as y'all are ready to go, I'm ready to go. All right. Prayer was like the, the powerful thing because they would, the disciples were with Jesus and they never said, Jesus, teach us to walk on water. They never said, Jesus, teach us to feed 5,000. They never said, Jesus, teach us to raise the dead. You know what they said? They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Because they said, what is this thing you do? They picked up on it. Because Jesus would say things like, you guys get on the boat and go to the other side. I'm going to pray. And the next time they'd see him, he'd be walking on the water. And they were like, what is this thing you do that every time you go and do it, you come back with more power than we've ever seen before? Teach us to do that. That's what we want to learn. And the enemy has deceived the church from not having a prayer life. 
and we don't believe in prayer. You've got, if you don't pray, you're not going to survive at marriage. You're not going to survive at parenting. You're not going to survive in the kingdom. You're already on your way out. I told our staff, I said, if you don't pray, you're not going to survive in the kingdom. You got to have a prayer life. Lord, teach us to pray. And if you're feeling convicted, good. That's why the Lord's got me talking to you. Somebody say, Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, teach me to pray. And that's what God, that's, that's what the Lord told him. He said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, not if you pray. Whatsoever thing you desire when you pray, believe you've received it and you shall have it. And he says, I set before you an open door that no man can shut. Keeping God's word in your heart, loving him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, keeping his commandments. You know, John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not lie. You shall not commit sexual immorality. You shall honor your father and your mother. How many of you want to honor your father and your mother? Come on, that's a big blessing. On, I'm going to say it again. Honor your father and your mother. You know, that's a promise with that. Jesus said, if you, if, if you do that, I'll give you long life. That's in the word. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the earth. That's in the word. Some of y'all eating all kinds of stuff that tastes terrible and drinking stuff and blending it and trying to extend your life and sucking it down and gulping it and you, you're dying. All y'all while you're gluing it and tucking it and stapling it and dying it. And the, the Bible says your days shall be long. How many people want to have long life? Throw some honor towards your parents. Come on, can I get an amen about it? Throw some honor. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the earth. See, these, these are hard things, but it's truth. It's truth. Tell the truth and shame the devil. Amen? amen. And it's a, it's a narrow path. And the Bible says, you know, narrow is the way and few be there that find it. And this text is not talking about getting in the kingdom. It's about staying in the kingdom. It's not talking about starting, but finishing. The race is not given to the swift nor the strong, but unto him that what? endureth to the end. Can you endure? Anybody can serve God when things are going good. Anybody can, can just, you know, when you, the money's coming in and you're feeling good and health and everything and you're young and strong and, you know, head full of hair and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, I got this receding hairline now. It's like going back here and it's coming out my nose and my ears and it's going up up here. Now I got this. Y'all see that right there? Look at that happening right there. It's a lie. I don't know what to do about it. It's just. You're dying. John chapter 6 verse 66. Jesus began to, to talk to the people and you know, as long as people were following Jesus, they, he had multitudes. Multitudes following. As long as he was healing them and feeding them and delivering them and doing all the things they wanted to do, he had multitudes following him. But then Jesus began to deal with a deeper revelation of the kingdom. And he began to talk to him and said, the kingdom of God is not just meat and drink. It's not just, it's not just you know, hey, I did this for you. And he said, but it's righteousness. Somebody say righteousness. That means living in right standing. He says holiness. Somebody say holiness. holiness. That's, that's, a, that's not a cuss word. Everybody say holiness. holiness. 
holiness. We live in a world that just wants to talk about love, 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 love. You know, love is love, love is love. Love is not love. You can't use the word to define the word. Love is love. Dog is dog, water is water. Pastor John is Pastor John. The building is building, car is car, hat is hat, cat is cat. No. You cannot use the word to define the word. The definition of love is God. That's the definition of love. But when you remove God from love, it's a lie. Now they have no definition of love, so they just say love is love. We live in a world that, that you know, is, is teaching lies, you know, to our children and to the next generation. And Jesus began to talk to them and say, we've got to talk about holiness. People talk about love. You know, he says one time in the Bible, God is love. One time. How many times in the Bible it says God is holy? Over 400 times. When was the last time you heard somebody talk about God is holy? The Bible says about holiness, no man shall see God. The angels around the throne don't say love, love, love. They say holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Somebody say we got to have holiness. And Jesus began to talk to the people about this. He said, unless you eat of my, my, my body and drink of my blood, you have no part with me. He began to say, it's not just about you reigning with me. Are you willing to suffer with me? Are you willing to suffer with me? Are you willing to like, if it costs you something, or, or if you have to sacrifice something, are you willing to do it? Are you, are you willing to pay a price to be used in the kingdom? And the Bible says many walked away. They walked away. And the funny thing is Jesus didn't say, well, you know, people walked away. We should probably change our strategy and start talking about love. Because, you know, people left, and that means volunteers, and that means people, you know, they're not giving to the ministry now. And so we need to, what, we need to sell out so that we get more people and so that we can do this and we can do that. And so we need, you know, we need to just talk about love to appease the people. So, so we, we just need to make people feel good. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't apologize for it. He actually turned to those that stayed and said, are you also going to leave now? He says, because here's the door. I place before you an open door. You can go. If you want to go, you can go. You don't, you don't like this life. You don't love me. You don't want to serve with me. You're not willing to suffer with me. You're not willing for me to tell you the truth. You're not willing for me to not, yeah, yeah you want me to heal you. Yeah, you want me to feed you. But, but when I talk about you living a righteous life, I talk about you living a holy life. Now, if, here's the door. And Peter stepped up and said, Lord, where are we going to go? You and you alone have the words to eternal life. Where are we going to go other than you? Who, who is going to teach us other than you? Who, who, who is going to help us have eternal life other than you? And they chose to stay. His disciples said, we're not going to go. We're going to stay. Some people are always looking for a way out. They drive me nuts. You know, it's like you tell your kids to do something. They try to find a loophole. Anybody ever had that happen to you? I talk to people. It's like if you're trying to find a loophole not to give, just don't give. Just keep it. Keep it. Let it perish with you. I don't care. You know, keep it. If you don't want to serve, don't serve. You don't want to come to church, don't come to church. You know, I don't, I don't find it. Like, why are you always looking for a loophole? How to get around it? I mean, who wants to be married to somebody like that? You know, like, well, technically we went on one date and I, I, actually, technically, I took you on two, and you said I only had to take you on once a year, and I took you on two, so that's actually double what you asked for. I mean, like, who's looking for a loop? Who wants to be married to that person? 
You know, it's like, are you, why are you looking for loopholes to not spend time with me? Why are you looking for loopholes to not spend money on me? Why are you looking for loopholes to not tell me you love me? If you're looking for loopholes to not come to church, if you're looking for loopholes to not volunteer, if you're looking for the loophole to not tie, it's like, just don't do it. Just forget it. God doesn't want it. Love, love has no loopholes. When you really love something, you're not looking for a loophole to do it. When you love something, you're looking for more ways to do it. I'm looking for more ways to serve. I'm looking for more ways for God to use me. I'm looking for more ways to give. When I hung out with my mentor, John Maxwell, I'm not looking for for ways to just increase my my income. I'm looking for ways to increase my giving. Most people are looking for ways to increase their standard of living. I'm looking for ways to increase my standard of giving. Let's be more generous with our words. Let's be more generous with our time. Let's be more generous than ever before because we reap what we sow. Love has no loopholes. And I do it because I love Jesus, not because I couldn't walk away, not because I couldn't do this. I could walk away from my marriage, walk away from my children, walk away from the ministry and forsake everything that God has given me, but I love the Lord. I love what God has done in my life and in and through my life. And my only way, my only way out is the rapture. That's my way out. My way out is up because I believe Jesus is coming soon. Anybody with me on that? I believe Jesus is coming soon. I'm serious, church. Jesus is coming soon. And, and, and don't, don't play hard to get with God. Don't play hard to get with God. Let your heart always be moldable and pliable. John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the See, we live in a world where people, people have their own truth. To them, truth is of what? Well, what's your truth today? And what's your truth today? And what's your truth today? Are you a boy today or a girl tomorrow? A cat on Thursday? Or what are you, you know? Let me tell you something. See, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm okay telling people the truth in love. And the world wants to make us ashamed to tell the truth. It's, I'm not going to be ashamed to say marriage is between a man and a woman. I'm not embarrassed to say that. I'm not ashamed to say that. I'm not, and we're not, we're not going to be ashamed. And we're not shaming people. We're putting the shame on the enemy. Ephesians 6 says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, spiritual wickedness, and high places. That's why we're going to tell the truth and shame the devil. We're putting all the shame on the devil, not people, the devil. Amen. It's okay to be who God's made you to be. God made you, there's two genders, male and female. There's not 92. We live in a world that says there's 92 now. There's not 90. And I'm crazy. I'm crazy because I believe in two. I'm crazy because I believe the Bible. You have 92. There's two genders, male and female. The Bible says male and female created he them. God made male and God made female. And you don't need to be embarrassed about that. You don't have to be ashamed about that. If God made you a man, be a man. What makes you a man is you have seed. That's what makes you a man. Nobody can put seed in you. They can give you hormones. They can change your body. Nobody can put seed in you. What makes you a man is you have seed. What makes you a woman is you have a womb. Nobody can put a womb in you. They can change your hormones. They can change your, give you breast augmentations, but nobody can put a womb in you. What makes you a woman is you have a womb. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. So we're like, oh my God, I can't believe he said that. Why do we have to be embarrassed to tell the truth? Why? I'm not going to live in a world, you're not going to make us ashamed to tell the truth. Tell the truth in love. 
When you go to the doctor, they have to tell you the truth. They weigh you. Anybody get weighed when you go to the doctor? They weigh you. And for some reason, they're still checking my height. You know, but they weigh you. And they put me on the scale, and we're, you know, okay. And then they, they put you in that little room. They put you on that little table with the butcher paper and the, your feet are dangling. And they come in, and they say, okay, this is what you weigh, and this is what you should weigh. And then we look at each other for a couple of moments. Did you want me to talk? Is, are you, are you going to talk? And we need somebody to tell us where God's best is. We need somebody to tell us where right is. Because if we just go based on how much room's left in our sweatpants, we're good. So we need somebody to tell us. That's all we're doing is we're just saying this is God's best. God's best is a man and a woman. God's best is, is heterosexual marriage. Come on, somebody. This is God's best. So you can tell how far off you are from where you need to be. Well, I'm attracted to somebody of the same sex. You're not a victim to your attractions. And you have to surrender your attractions to the word of God. And we're not going to be ashamed. And, and we're not going to change the message. The Bible is not progressive. The Bible is perfect. God is not progressive. God is perfect. And if you have to progress it, then that means it's flawed. It's not flawed. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of the Lord will remain the same. Somebody say amen if you believe that today. And the, the Bible is, is really clear. I'll, I'll give you this. We'll get ready to go. But, but in, in, in the book of Acts, there's a great story of, of Paul and Silas. And Paul and Silas were incarcerated in, in Acts chapter 16. And they were in a jail. I mean, most of the Bible was written from a jail cell. Many people don't know that. Even Jesus Christ was incarcerated. That's why we need prison ministry. Somebody say amen about that. We need to fund prison ministry. And, and they were incarcerated. And the, they, were, they were beaten. Uh, they were abused. They were mistreated uh, for preaching Christ, for preaching the cause of Christ. And the Bible says they began to pray. There's that prayer life again. They began to pray and sing praise unto God. And immediately their chains fell off. The prison doors opened. And the prison guard almost went into a heart attack because in those times, if he lost any of the prisoners, he'd be killed. And Paul yelled out. He said, you don't need to worry. He said, we're all still here. We're all still here. And what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying... There's times in your life where God will open doors for you and do things in your life. And you also, you have to know what it's like to be released, released to stay. Released to stay. To, to go, man, I could get out of this situation, but is that what's best for me or is that what's best for the people around me? Because Paul ended up winning that prison guard. Because once he saw that they had the opportunity to leave and didn't. See, a lot of us are always looking for what's best for us. But real leaders don't look at what's best for them. They look at what's best for the people around them. It, it may be what's best for you, but is that what's best for your family? It may be what's best for you, but is that what's best for the, for the kingdom? I, I, when I pastor, I can't do what's best for me. I got to do what's best for the body of Christ. When we, our, our team, we, we, we have to lead people. We have to, we have to think about others than ourselves. That's real leadership. 
And a lot of people are like, well, church, you know, I can't do this and I can't do this and I can't do that. We, all we know is what, what we can't do in church and what God's against. We never knew what God was for. And God is saying, okay, I'll take off all the rules. We'll take off all the regulations. Once I take it all off, are you going to leave or are you going to stay? So you're not, you're not loving him because there's an obligation. You love him out of your heart. You're not volunteering because there's an obligation. You volunteer out of your heart. You're not, I, I'm not getting drunk because there's a rule. I don't do it because I love God. I'm not committing adultery because there's a rule. I don't do it because I love God. It's not about a rule or a regulation. Once the door's open and the chains are off, are you going to walk out or are you going to stay? And he would take them. The, the master would take him to the door and he would, he would open the door and tell, tell the guy who had been serving with for seven years, he said, you can go, look out there. You see, you see it, you see the lights, you see the parties, the clubs, you see the, the, the addictions, the things you want, the lust, the pornography, the, the, the sexual immorality, the adulterous beds, the, the fornication, whatever you want. He said, it's there. If you want it, you're a free man, go do it. Nobody's keeping you in this church. Nobody's keeping you praying. Nobody's, nobody's forcing you to tithe or volunteer or read your Bible or pray. If you don't want to live for God, here's the door. If you don't want to serve God, you don't want to honor God, God says, I placed before you. Here it is. I'm not locking anybody in. You come into the house. But if you don't want to serve me, you don't want to serve God, here's the door. I, I am, I place before everybody in this church, God says, an open door. You're a teenager. See, at some point, you got to have to make a decision for yourself. Mama was saved and daddy was saved and grandmama and granddaddy, but God doesn't have grandkids. God has kids. And you're going to have to choose for yourself to pray. I remember being in college and I, and I had to wake up on Sunday morning and go, am I going to go to church today? Or just lay in this bed or go out with my friends or go do it. I had to make a decision. I remember that for the first time, I was like, I, all my life I grew up in church, and now I'm in college, and I was like, I could just not go. You know, I could just not do it. I could just not pray today. I could just not read the word of God. I could just not have a prayer. I don't have to serve. I was working at Applebee's at the time, and then I got a job at Chick-fil-A. Come on, because they were closed on Sunday, so I got a job at Chick-fil-A. And um, don't act like y'all don't know Chick-fil-A. Don't act like you have driv driven to Chick-fil-A on a Sunday only to be disappointed. <laughs> But I had to make a decision. Am I going to tithe with this paycheck and I don't have any money and I'm a college student? I had to make a decision. God says, I place before you an open door. you got to choose. Are you going to serve? You're getting married. You're a young family. Are we going to, be a, are we going to bring our kids to God's house? Are we going to pray as a young couple? Are we, going to be, are we going to make God a part of our life? Are we going to go do our own thing? And he says, I place before you an open door. What do you want to do? If you want to go, go. I'm not keeping you. But he told, the, he told the, the, the servants, this is one of the things he said, he goes, if you go, whatever you got while you were in this house, it stays in this house. You don't take it with you. So if you got your wife here, she stays here. If you got your kids here, they stay here. He said, only what you bring with you, when you came in, can you take with you. Now you think about what you brought when you came to God's house. You think about what you brought with you when you came to Jesus. Fear, shame, sin, adultery, lust, anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, sin, temptations, anger, bitterness, hatred. How many people brought some things to Jesus when you came to Jesus? How many people remember where you were? 
when you came to the Lord. Some of us were completely broken, dealing with so many things, addiction that we could not get free from. That's what we brought with us. And he says, if you leave, you take that stuff with you. But your wife, your children, all the things that God gave you, your joy, your peace, your hope, your healing, your mercy, your forgiveness, you leave all that when you walk out that door. So you just think long and hard before you walk out there for the things of this world. And if he chose to stay, he would, he would take his ear and pierce his ear and put in it in awe. And you could play on that word, you know, you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart all your mind, all your soul, your strength, which is really an outward sign of an inward change, which is what baptism is. To say, I'm not ashamed to say my life from here on belongs to Jesus. You know, in Mark 10, there's an interesting story. You can play something for me, Reggie. Just play something romantic. And um, uh, there's a story, I'll leave you with this, and I think it's Mark 10, where Jesus goes to this blind man and, uh, well, Jesus is walking, and there's this blind man who, who hears that Jesus is passing by. He hears. And so he decides to scream out Jesus' name. And so he's, like, freaking out. You know, he's like, Jesus! Hey, the son of David, have mercy on me! Jesus! And the disciples are like, shut up. Shut that guy up, man. He's, like, messing up. Our flow, he's messing up Jesus. You know, they're trying to like, shut up, shut up. Hey, hey. You know, he can't see, so they're like hitting him. Hey, shut up. You know, and, and he, the more they try to shut him up, he's like, Jesus! Hey, Jesus! Jesus! He's like screaming, right? He's like screaming, Jesus. And Jesus hears him, and he comes over. I could preach a whole sermon on that one, that one thought, because How you get a miracle is, is you, has to, you have to use what you have against what you don't have. See, he couldn't see, but he could hear. And he could talk. And so he said, I can't see Jesus, but I heard Jesus. I was passing by, and I can scream Jesus. And so I'm going to use what I do have against what I don't have. See, that's how you get miracles. Miracles don't, miracles don't happen through what you lost. God never does miracles through what you lost. He only does miracles through what you have left. That's why you should stop crying about who left. Because the miracle is not in what you lost. It's not in the money you lost. It's not in the relationships that you lost. The, the answer, the destiny is never in what you lost. God never does miracles through what you lost. He only does miracles through what you have left. What do you have left? I have five loaves and two fish. Okay, that's what we're going to do the miracle with. How much meal left do you have in the barrel? I have enough to bake one cake. Okay, that's what we're going to do the miracle with. It's always in what you have left. So you have to do inventory of what God has given you left. God's going to do the miracle through the years you have left. God's going to do the miracle through the relationships that you have left. God's going to do a miracle through the spouse that's there. Not the one that you're like, oh, if I had this husband and I had that wife. No, it's the one right there. It's that one right there. That one right now. The one that gets on your nerves, that one. That's the one. It's the kids that you have left. Come on, am I right? It's, it's, it's those kids. 
It's, it's the years that you have left. It's the money that you have left. It's the ideas, the creativity. God's going to do the miracle through what you have left. So he screamed out, Jesus! And Jesus came over to him. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do? And he says, I want you to, I want you to heal, heal my eyes. And Jesus said, okay, okay, I'm going to heal you. And Jesus healed him. And the Bible says immediately he could see. See, a lot of people think that Jesus healed him so that, so that he could see Jesus. But Jesus didn't heal him so he could see Jesus. Jesus healed him so Jesus could see him. Jesus healed him to see his heart. That if I heal you, now that you have gotten what you want out of the relationship, See, we all want something from Jesus. Everybody here wants something. All of us want something. What do you want from Jesus? Now, once you get it, look at what Jesus said. If they put the verse up, Jesus healed him. And when Jesus healed him, he says, okay, I healed you. And Jesus, Jesus says this. Jesus says, okay, go your way. Go on. You don't, have to, you don't have to serve me. You don't have to follow me. You don't have to live for me. Go on. Go your way. It's not, I'll heal you, but you better be in the temple. I'll heal you, but you better tie. I'll heal you, but you better. Jesus is saying that. Jesus healed him and said, go your way. Now that you got what you want out of the relationship, now that, now that you got what you want from me, go on. Do whatever you want to do. And the Bible says immediately he followed Jesus in the way. He started following Jesus. Jesus never asked him to follow him. Jesus healed him to see his heart. Sometimes God will give you the money and just to see your heart. Sometimes God will give you the relationship just to see your heart. Sometimes God will give you that opportunity just to see your heart. Now that you got what you want, go on. There's the door. Will you follow me? Remember when Jesus healed the 10 lepers and only one of them came back to say thank you? Jesus must have thought all of them were going to come back because he said, where are the other nine? He healed them to see their heart. What you're praying for, what you're believing for, once, once you get what you want out of church, once you get what you want out of the relationship, because y'all came wanting something. Once you get it, there's an open door. And I'm telling you, God's not making you stay. He's not making you love him. He's not making you pray. He's not making you worship. He's not going to make you tithe. He's not going to make you give. He's not going to make you do anything. It all has to come out of your heart. Young people, listen to me. It's got to come out of your heart. Right now, it might be mama said you're coming to church and daddy said you're coming to church and you got to do devotions and, and you got you to, gotta, hey, you got to pray. I got on to my kids the other day and said, you got to do your devotions. Come on, do your devotions right now. Come on. Come on, turn that off. Do your devotions, right? But one day, that day's coming. I told him, I said, one day daddy's not going to be here. Daddy's not going to be here to say pray. Daddy's not going to be here to say read your Bible. And God's going to open a door to you. And say, you don't have to serve me, Alexander. You don't have to serve me, Nicholas. You don't have to serve me, Isabella and Penelope and, and, and Victoria and Liliana and Augustine and Winston. You don't have to. I can I got all their names, right? I get their ages next. But you don't, you don't have to serve me. I know daddy told you you had to do devotions. I know daddy said you got to come to church. I know, I know mom and daddy said, but here's the door. Here's the door. You got to choose. You got to choose. That's why the Bible says, choose you this day whom you shall serve.
and you got to make a decision in your heart at some point in your life that I no longer want the things of this world. I want Jesus. I love my Lord. I love my, my wife. And I love my children. And I'm not going for anything else. I'm not running after anything else. I've chosen to stay. And I've chosen to be a part of the family of God. Come on, you get something out of that today. Come on, give God a praise. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to take a moment to say thanks for joining us at our Creative Church online campus and ask you if you would take a moment, please, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Share this sermon with somebody if it touched your heart, if you felt the Holy Spirit speak to you and speak to your life. And uh, remember, serving God and honoring God and putting God first in your life, it's always a choice. And uh, God doesn't make us love him, doesn't make us serve, doesn't make us worship or give. And, and it's all out of our heart. And I just want to say thank you to all of you that have a heart to give and invest in the ministry here at Creative Church. You know, it's because of your generosity that we're able to do the things that God's called us to do. And I just want to let you know how much we love you. God bless you. Pastor Joanne and I, we're praying for you and continue to serve him because if we do the difficult, God will do the impossible. We love you. God bless you.